Thank you, Jake. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Stephanie and Kids Minute. Um, we have so many good, gifted people here. Um, I thought that would solicit some kind of amen. Um, and it's the people that are the church. Um, I am grateful to be participant to the work of God alongside you. I'm Stu Williams. Uh, I am one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege this morning of sharing God's Word with you. If you have your Bibles, I was thinking about this this morning, how many of you still carry an actual physical Bible? No judgment here. Just raise your hands. One, two, three. Someone's holding up their phone. Um, I, I, I sometimes wonder about the significance of just even carrying the Word of God in, in terms of the Bible itself, and I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not being a stickler here and saying you need to go and buy yourself a leather-bound Bible, but one of the, the key, uh, uh, I think, lessons that I learned growing up was that the Word of God was so important to our understanding of who God is, is, is that it was made visible when people carried it. And today, of course, with technology, which I give God thanks for because people are being reached even now as I preach in parts of the world that uh, they can access the Word of God through online and watching and video and all the rest of it. I am grateful for that. But there is something about the tangible expression of the body of Christ around the Word of God. And some people treat the Word of God um, kind of forensically. They, they, they want to understand it, dissect it. And in fact, that's what a lot of my professors growing up and going through college has done. But there's something beautiful about the Word of God that can be lost when we devalue what it's trying to teach us. It is not just a set of instructions or a rule book. It is God's spoken word of hope to the world. And when we begin to listen to the word of God in terms of the hope that it offers, it changes how we live. So this morning, I want to share some thoughts with you but before I do so, we're going for the trifecta of prayer this morning. We had Bob, followed by Jake, and now we will pray together again. The prayer is on the screen, and so I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Living God, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the new light of this day. Open our lips to tell of the empty tomb. Open our hearts to believe the good news. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Acts chapter 5, reading from verse 27 to 32. Now hear the word of the Lord. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. This, these are the disciples of Christ. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, that is the name of Jesus. 
Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as a leader, elsewhere translated more perhaps accurately as the author and Savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The word of the Lord. Christ is risen. This is the affirmation, central affirmation of the church, in particular in the season of Easter. Some people are asking, why are you making such a big deal about following the Christian seasons? Uh, it is not as if a church that doesn't pay attention to seasons like Lent and Easter are any less holy than we are. But why do we choose to do that here at Skyview? Simply put, there's many good reasons, but I'll highlight two. In doing so, we join with the church across nations and across this world in proclaiming the hope of Jesus Christ and in the very least demonstrate the unity that Christ wants the church to possess in its worship. A second reason why we do it is because as we walk through the seasons with Jesus, and as we walk through the Lenten season, through Holy Week, up to the cross, we are now in the season where we contemplate what it means to live in light of what Jesus just did when he died and was risen to life through the power of God. The season of Easter is simply this. We are asking the question, what does it mean to live in the hope that death does not win. I, I want to put it to you differently. The extent to which you and I in faith believe that Christ overcame Satan's sin and death will posture us for a life that is shaped by faith and hope or pos posture us towards a life that is determined by our fears. The resurrection is essential to our faith. It is foundational to who we are, and yet so many of us, including this pastor for many years, has failed to grasp that if I truly believe in the resurrection, then there is nothing, not even death, that can create a fear and a resistance to the way of God because I have placed my hope in the one who said, even when the world does its worst, because of who I am, because of what I promise, I assure you of this, that life will emerge from even the darkest of deaths because of who I am. Yeah. So the resurrection, it makes a significant difference to our faith. I continue to be impressed every Easter season by how quickly the disciples went from fear and cowering 
to becoming this courageous promoters of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aren't you surprised that just a couple of weeks ago, Peter found a way to hide? <laughs> there was no disciples close when Jesus walked that road to Golgotha. Fear had so inspired their actions that the very words they promised they would not break, they broke. The very things they committed to do, they did not do. And yet in our text, following a supernatural visit of God's Holy Spirit, and these men now empowered by God's Spirit proclaims the Word of God with such boldness, with such determination, with such courage, that even when they were arrested for it, they continued to proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ. I'm impressed that people can go from fear to witness like that. You know why? Man, you're, you're a little sedate this morning, <laughs> Pastor Ryan. You know, one of the qualities that made me say, I think Pastor Ryan should be here, <laughs> is that you did not come across as sedate at all to me. So, my dear brother, may the Spirit empower you <laughs> to say hallelujah while I'm preaching. I love the honesty of the transformation of these people because if I was to be frank with you, that as a Christian, I often allow fear to shape my life. In fact, I would go as far as to say to you that many of us, whether we are Christian, professing or not, often make the kinds of decisions in our life that is inspired more by the fear of what we will lose, the fear of what will happen to us, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the future that is these days by many people's estimate bleak, the fear of the end of things, the fear of not having sufficiency, the fear of so many things. And I love this text because it puts in perspective for me how different one's life can be when what you had feared is overcome by God. I think that it is probably unreasonable to suggest that we could live entirely free of fear. The Bible has a lot to say about fear. It speaks about the fear of the Lord, which is not to be confused with the fear of following the Lord. Uh, I think it's the Apostle Paul that says we have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, but of strength and a sound mind. And yet I want to say to you as the beloved people of God gathered here around the Word of God today, that we have to be very mindful that fear does not shape what we believe. That fear does not lead us into ways of life that dismisses the truth of God's power to resurrect Christ. 
that fear does not diminish the hope we have even when we walk through the trials and the challenges, that fear does not overcome us so much that we cannot see in the Word of God the hope of life that overcomes death. I want to say to you a word from your pastor today, someone who does not stand on top of your experience but joins you in your life experience and says, there are things that I am afraid of and fearful of on a daily basis. We have three children. They are adolescents. They live in a world that we cannot control. I'd like to put a bubble around them when they leave. I'd like to interview every boy and girl that comes knocking on my door to make sure that they are legit. I would like to secure their future with the best financial investments I can. I would like to give them the career of a lifetime that I never possessed. But of this, I am convinced. I do not have the power to control their lives or their futures, but I know one who said this, I have overcome the worst, and I assure you that even when life is difficult, dark, and brings those shadowy valleys to you, that I will bring hope and resurrection. So, so, I choose in faith to believe in the God who works miracles where others see failures. I want to get into the text because I know Pastor Ryan's getting a little worried. He said, I saw his notes, that was just his introduction. What changed for the disciples after the resurrection? I want to share this with you. I think it's an important insight. Here's one of the most important things that happened when they believed the resurrection. After Christ appeared to them and showed him his wounds, and after the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, visited with them, they started to read the Scriptures differently. Did you know that? Do you remember last week's sermon, The Road to Emmaus, those two disciples walking alongside Jesus? They don't recognize him. You know what Jesus says to them? He says to them, because they, they kind of lament the loss of their Messiah, the loss of hope, they, they, they kind of lament the fact that, that they had hoped that he would save them, but somehow he died. And this is what Jesus said to them, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and beginning, listen to this, this is really important, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I I want to go back because we have to slow it down. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? He did not just die, but he would be glorified. He would be raised and he would ascend. Here's what Jesus is saying to those disciples. I know you've read your scriptures for a long time in a particular way, but I want you to see now that the scriptures has made this overwhelming claim from Moses through to the prophets today that God will die, but he will be resurrected to new life. Therefore, when you read scripture, read scripture through the hope of Jesus, not through the fear of circumstance. Read Scripture through the hope of the resurrection, not through the fear of death. Read Scripture and see in it the anchor point that makes who we are who we are, is that in the end, God overcomes the worst of life because He is our source of life. 
Come on now. I don't know if this is resonating. I'm having fun. But what would it mean to sit under the teachings of these apostles following the resurrection? You know what Acts 2 tells us? Acts 2 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers and awe. I don't say that word well. My wife always corrects me. A-W-E. That's what I said. Came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous, sincere hearts, praising God. And having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. I want to just backtrack and say, I wonder how differently they taught after they saw that Christ overcame death. I wonder when they gathered in those rooms and they said, Oh, I remember. Do you know when David, when we, when David was king? And David anticipated that there would be some hope that would come to Israel. I think he was talking about Jesus. I wonder that when, when, when Moses, when Moses, uh, you know, who, who, who led those, those stiff-necked people. You know what a stiff-necked people is? They refuse to be led because their necks are focused in one direction. And, and even though in, in the dry place I brought forth water, living water, even though I fed them in, in the places that had nothing to bear, in those places Christ made himself available to God's people. Do, 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 do you see, do you hear that the very God who has called his people from of old has always had in mind this Christ who would come to redeem and to save? I wonder how they preached when they preached hope and not fear. I wonder how people heard this message that they were so accustomed to for so long. I think it's a sad commentary on the state of our world when the Bible seems to have no vitality, life, or hope. Instead, it is used to secure, blame, and criticize. But this Bible points to one ultimate truth that ought to define and redefine life for each and every one of us, Jesus, our hope, for this life and the life to come. Do you believe in the resurrection? Uh, there's a few things I want to say uh, about how the resurrection changed the disciples. Uh, I think faith in the resurrection made them, according to the Scripture, generous towards others. People that believe in the hope that God is sufficient, God is victorious, God overcomes Satan's sin and death are not afraid to share that which they have. Come on now. 
Someone, I, I did my review, my password review a few, uh, quite a while ago, and, and, and there's, a, there's a column that they check when they review me. The, the column says something to the effect like this. Um, uh, you know, is the pastor creative in his preaching? I always score myself the lowest on that. That's why I hired younger people. Is the, is, is the pastor uh, um, scriptural in his preaching? I better be. I better be. Does the, the, the pastor's message inspire people to put their faith and trust in the hope that is Jesus Christ? <laughs> Give me five. I want that. Now, this morning, I... I know I may not be the most creative preacher. I know that I may not be the best preacher you've heard. The point is never me. You know that, right? But I hope that in the preaching of the Word, you would be confronted with that which makes you cling to the things that you think defines you and gives you security. And learn to open your hands and your heart, mind, and life to live a generous life in this world for I know a God who is faithful. I know a God who supplies needs. I know a God who no matter what we go through, Amen. <laughs> Don't be unsettled by Sister Jennifer. She loves the Lord. I think the resurrection changed them made them open to those who they formerly would have rejected. I think the resurrection changed them, made them true worshipers, even while imprisoned. I think the resurrection changed them uh, and became the very source of what made them want to be together with one another. It became the foundation of their life together. I think that the resurrection help them to overcome their fears and become witnesses to God in a world that believed in the power of death. I want to ask you this morning, what fears keeps you from witnessing? What fears keeps you from living a life that bears hope, that does not convey fear? The foundation of our faith is indeed the victory of Christ over death. I know that I'm getting older. They say midlife. I like to call it the sweet spot. <laughs> right, Dory? Sweet spot. I'm just kind of, you know, in, a, in, a, in that place where, where I'm no longer, I'm learning to no longer live to impress people. That's fatiguing. 
When you're young, that's what you think you have to do. Well, let me be honest. When you're old, you stop. Some of us still think that's what we need to do. But I, I, I'm in the, the sweet spot where God is liberating me, in, 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 and I'm, I'm testifying now. He's, he's teaching me to find my, my true self in His grace and love for me. But in this particular season of life, I, I, I know I'm getting older too, and so I'm recalling some old songs. Now, I want to be relevant, Jake, to your generation. I want to be thought of as he knows music, today's music. But there's some songs of old that in its simplicity conveys the depth of my hope. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, because I know he holds the future, and life is worth, life is worth the living because he lives. You may say to me, Stu, you know, I want to live in faith and not in fear. But you're not in my shoes. You don't know what I'm living with. I acknowledge that I do not know every person's experience. I do not know the challenges you have. I do not know what makes you afraid. But I love how that the Scripture that we have read does not culminate simply with this idea that they believed in the resurrection, but with this promise that the Holy Spirit was with them even in these days. We cannot live in faith without God's help. You know why? There's too much, Judith, every day on the news and in conversations that teaches me to live by fear. There's so much in me that wants to protect. You can ask Ruthann for years, and, and I'm being personal for, for the sake that I, I think you should see my own journey in this area of fear. When my family left on the Sunday that they died, when the car accident happened, they were out in the car. I was at home, and I was waiting for them. Ruthann and I had been married for a number of years. And every time she wouldn't be home with the kids at a certain time, my anxiety took hold. I didn't understand what was going on except that I was so glad I could text her. She was never glad I could text her. Because it felt like her, like, what is wrong with Pat, my husband? I, 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 am I convicting any husbands right now? Why, why does he need to know where I am every second? And for years, she kind of just felt like, you know, Stu, Stu, Stu's just kind of a little, kind of a little crazy, a little off. It's one of the things I have to live with until one day. 
It became as crystal clear to me when I started to name that which created my anxiety. It was the fear that something would beset my family like it once did. I think many of us today, sometimes even subconsciously, allow fear to influence our lives. And here's what I offer you. The Word of God that speaks to the hope of resurrection and the gift of His Spirit to overcome your fear. As we move to the table, the physical elements of the wine and the bread remind us that Jesus became like us. He understood what it means to live in human flesh, human blood. When we participate in this, we recognize that His human body experienced the very worst that we all possibly fear for our own human bodies. But that as we drink and eat, we are called to remember this, that God raised Him from the dead. Jesus said this, and it caused a lot of problems for him. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. But here's what we know about what Jesus was doing for his disciples. He was inviting them to take into themselves the very hope that he would embody to eat and drink the body and the blood of Christ is to take into ourselves the reality of our fears and the death that inevitably will come if the Lord tarries while proclaiming this, that one day we will all rise again. So as we prepare for this time together, I want to pray for you as I have prayed, I want to invite you to receive that which only God can give. It is a gift. Faith is a gift. No one of us here deserves the grace that is extended by Christ. But as we humbly stand before Him, opening our hearts, our minds, our hands. We say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for making it possible to live with hope when it's so hard sometimes. Thank you for making it possible for me to walk through hard things and still to believe. Thank you that even when I'm not with my kids, you are. Thank you that even when we go through pandemics that seems to take and take and take, you are the giver of life. Thank you that when I walk through the very hard things of this world, when I feel most alone, your word comes to mind and reminds me that you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. 
And as you come and, and as we gather, and we're not yet doing this where we come and receive the elements, you have these little, this really kind of awkward little cups to open. I think sometimes it takes away from the sacredness of what it means to be fed by God, to be given the hope that comes from Him. So I want to pray for you. Father God, make for us the sacrament more than just simply something we do because we're religious. Make our religion about this dynamic reality of your power and your gift of life to us. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would today resurrect hope where there's been despair. You would resurrect relationships that have been broken. That you, Lord, by your grace, would resurrect within the hearts of those who are an anxious person and people. A deep-seated peace that comes from the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. I pray that as we walk out of what has undoubtedly been a, a difficult season for many, we would do so in hope and in faith because we know who we serve. We know who you are. Therefore, bless the sacred act. Bless these emblems. May they become for us a means of faith and trust and hope. May they represent to us that which we most need to eat on and feed on and drink from. May it become for us nourishment to our hearts and to our minds and to our bodies. In Jesus' name. Would you stand as we sing this song as we prepare to receive the elements?